This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is a premier male grooming company with the star Lawnmower 3.0, and we want to be able to share the savings with you, our awesome listeners. Use the promo code BLUECHIP to get 20% off your next order. Don't let your balls down. Get the Lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Renition. I am joined, as always, by my colleague over at Blue Chip Scouting, the best co-host in the business, Devin Jackson. Devin, how are you today, man? Pretty good, man. Um, this was... See, I, I feel a little conflicted right now, because, like, in theory, this was probably the best Sunday of NFL football we had in quite some time, probably in a couple of years. But at the same time, you could see it just happening from a mile away. You know, it, it it's like you want to be happy. There's going to be some new blood in the championship games, et cetera. But at the same time, it's like, how happy can you be? You know, so it was a complicated answer to a, a simple question. But that's just how I feel right now. Well, here's my thing, man. Like. We we saw the Rams go up like 27 to 3 against the Bucks, and we literally all went, This will be a one-score game. This will come down to the wire. And then, of course, like Buffalo and Kansas City, they just trade back touchdowns back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, going to overtime. And then, hey, guess what? Do you know that whole concept of playing defense? We don't believe in that anymore. It's like, oh, for God's sake, the NFL's just been so damn predictable for like three, four years now, man. Yeah, uh, you, why, you that's why half the time if you it, it, like people ask me like, yo, do you wanna you wanna you know um you you know uh, you know what are you looking forward to on, for the NFL on Sunday? Like, uh, I'm looking forward to catching up on the games I missed from the from college the day before. Yeah, well, the the thing is though, is like. It, it's just money driven, you know, and and we know that if they're not going to have Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, they will have Patrick Mahomes in there because they, uh-huh. they cannot live without one of the big. Trust me, if it were Jimmy G versus Joey Bur- versus Joe Burrow, the NFL would just explode. Exactly. They so will pull it- some Lakers Kings game six shit to make sure that that happens. You can tell I've been on a on a early to mid two thousands basketball kick as of late. Yeah, look, I, I I just think today more anything says you need an elite quarterback. It's it's simple. Like it doesn't matter who you who you draft, who you build around. At the end, you need an elite quarterback. And 49ers, man, they're going to lose at some point. It it's it's going to happen. Because they they do not have a great quarterback right now. Okay, the Rams don't have an elite quarterback either. What up? Get at me, Rams fans. Get at me, Rams fans. Anyways, today we are just gonna go very simple. Um obviously NFL playoffs, busy week for both of us. We could just go back and forth and talk about like 
three, four prospects, like we'll probably do most of the, the episodes, but that's not fun. That's not fun. We're going to get some guests on here eventually, but that's going to come later. I, over at big, uh, bluechipscouting.com, dropped my first big board and position rankings article. Now that we have the finalized list of players. Now, what we're going to do, it is open roasting season. Devin is going to just straight up roast me on this podcast. And he's just going to, he's going to pick apart some things that maybe are unorthodox, maybe are a bit questionable. And uh, when Devin eventually does the same, I'm going to return the favor. But yeah, we're just going to, we're just going to roast my rankings. You already know what my first question is. Go for it. Why do you have Jahan Dotson in the top 50? (laughs) (laughs) That actually wasn't what I thought your question was going to be. Listen, Devin, Bubby, you know I love you, bro. But, I mean, it's not as egregious as it is with others. For, 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 For comparison... Devin is very mad that I have him in the top 50. I have Jahan Dotson at 47 overall. So he like barely made it. And I mean, Devin, how many people do you and I know that have Jahan Dotson as like a top three wide receiver in this class or like top four? Too Too many. many. He is wide receiver eight. Look, I'll I'll give you I'll give you a pass for that because I, I did look at the the receiver column. I do think he's properly ranked. I don't think he's a top five receiver. I I also don't think he's terrible. Just for the record, I I don't have anything against John Dotson. I just think people were way overrating him. I saw him in too many first round mocks already. Um, but. I mean, you know, the, the overall placement I can't argue with because, I mean, the skill set is there. He's, he's probably going to have a great week in, in, in Mobile and continuing to uh, have his stock rise. He seems like that perfect, like, late round two, early round three pick, uh, you know, once the draft comes around. So I understand the, the skill set. I understand the, the you know, um, why people like him and, and covet his skills. But. I, I just can't get – I don't I don't know. I, I, when I sit down and do my top 50, I'll know better, but I, I don't know if he's going to hit that top 50 mark for me. So so I will say this. Like, the dude, the dude's got great hands. He's he's really good in, in, in contested catch uh, scenarios like he was in 2020. That was basically the only thing he did well in 2020. But I keep seeing that he's like, you know, oh, well, if he's available for the Chiefs when they pick, Imagine having the speed of Tyreek Hill and the speed of Jahan Dotson, who might even be faster. Where is this speed from Jahan Dotson? They can say he runs 4-3 all he wants. This dude plays on film like he's running 4-5-5. Yeah, I was going to say he's probably going to get in that 4-4 range because we do have to... He plays way slower than that. We do have to take into account that Penn State is building dudes in the lab, so they're going to run faster than we think. But I also don't think he slow. I I also don't think he is this elite speedster that I'm kind of getting that mantra around him. Like Jamison Williams Uh is is faster than him, and I would think so. John Mechie might be faster than him, man. 
So, uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm not going to pick on Jahan Dodds too much because, like I said, I, I do think he can turn out a really good career and, and be like a solid wide receiver, too. I just don't think he's going to ever be a wide receiver one top option, if that makes sense. I think. Yeah, no, I, I think his upside is, is is a is a wide receiver, too. Yeah, well, absolutely. I think. And someone did this comp already, but I do think Emmanuel Sanders kind of seems to match yeah. what, what he brings. So, like I said, I, I don't have a problem with it, but I don't know if you take a, a wide receiver to top 50. That's just my thing. But and, and that's the thing. He's wide receiver eight for me. Every single receiver that's ahead of him, I think, is a wide receiver one potential. While we're talking about receivers, uh, what I guess what made you decide to, to make Traylon Burks uh, your wide receiver one? Because I, I started watching him uh, the other night and I'm still working through his evaluation and, and I do see everything's there. But I just wanted to know uh, now, what that came down th- to. It's a little misleading if you look just at the wide receiver rankings. But if you look at the overall big board, I kind of cheated a little bit, Devin. I have De- uh, Traylon Burks at uh, 11th, Garrett Wilson at 12th, and Jamison Williams at 13th. They, they are at a point where you could put any of the three of them at wide receiver one, and I have absolutely no issue with it. It's any, anyone after those three that I'm going to have a little bit of a debate with you. With Traylon Burks, listen, he is not an absolute burner. He's not going to be running 4-3, uh, but he's a mismatch waiting to happen, man. Six foot two, 225, 230 even. Um, and, like, you throw on the 2020 tape, dude was a baller. And you come back this year, and, I mean, great in short area. He's going to be very physical at the catch point. Jump ball dude, in, you know, in the red zone. Are you going to send him on an 80-yard fly route like you probably can with Wilson and and Williams? No, but as long as you know what to do with him, I think you're absolutely fine. This is exactly what we thought we were going to get a couple of years ago with Nikhil Harry. It's just one problem. Nikhil Harry sucks, and we didn't factor in that once he got paid, he just stopped caring entirely. I think with Traylon Burks, you're, you're looking at, what would have happened if, if Nikhil Harry was good? And I don't have those same concerns that I, that looking back, I should have had with, with Harry. Uh, I think you could in a way compare him a little bit to like a T Higgins and you see what he's done as kind of that wide receiver two, wide receiver three ish role with the Bengals, just because that Bengals receiver room is absolutely loaded. Now I think you're kind of getting that Garrett Wilson. I mean, whether it's, you know, you want to use him short and have him run after the catch, or Garrett Wilson wants to jump 59 inches into the air over a defensive back like he did against Clemson 2019. Yeah, Uh, or Jameson Williams where a simple, you know, two-yard screen or a bubble ends up going 85 yards because he's just that much faster than everyone. I think that they're all good at at their own unique uh, trait. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I do think, uh, well, some, there's a few more questions I had. Uh, looking at the safeties, so you had Jaquan Brisker over uh, Lewis Seen. Uh, was that close, or do you just think uh, Brisker is going to project better? Big fan of, of Jaquan Brisker. Again, like you said, Penn State's making these boys in a lab, man. So Brisker right now is at 34. Seen... Um, I, I'm going to be doing his final report 
I've, I've called dibs on that, but just from the preliminary viewing right now. So I made it, I made sure to let that be known in the article that some of these are finalized reports. Some of these are preliminary viewings. You know, it's a very fluid process. You could come back. Sorry, my microphone fell over. You could come back in a, you know, a couple of weeks and we're having a completely different conversation with some of these guys. Like, you know, once you, you fully study and focus on that one particular player rather than just watching on a Saturday or, or watching a film study or just while you're watching a different player on that defense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, you watch a certain player and, and it's going to happen a lot with Georgia. Same with Baylor's defense where Bama. you watch one guy or Bama and you watch one guy and you're like, oh, shit, like this other guy keeps popping. And then you go and you focus on him and say, like, oh, shit, he's even better than I thought. I think I'm going to get that a lot with Georgia's defense. The one thing I've noticed is I've been having that while I've been watching Georgia's defense because I did the report on Channing Tindall. I'm like, God damn, Trayvon Walker's good. (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, speaking, I mean, I asked about Lewisine because I'm I'm also I was also taking a look at him just in passing and and like you know I was watching Tennessee versus Georgia. He made a couple rangy plays on the back end and uh, you know deflecting that pass 30, 40 yards downfield. So. I uh, was just wondering about that. I, I do. I am interested to look at Brisker because I, I I did like he stood out to me in a different way than he did in 2021. That makes sense. Like 2020, I was watching like Owe and Shaka Tony uh, and all those dudes. And he was just making do- plays in the box. Now he's adding a little bit more to this game. So I'm excited to to get through some more of the safeties. But but he's definitely one that stood out to me. Um. I guess this is an overall question. Do you, is there, I, I, you talked about, you know, Zappy, Trayvon Walker, a few other dudes, but uh, do you envision, you know, any other players you got on your watch list that will come in like your top 50 and, and like, you know, shake it around a little bit? Well, I, I'm going to put this, you know, out there. So again, the article on Blue Chip only covers my top 50 for the big board section. I have obviously watched more than 50 and, and done a full breakdown position by position. Uh, I mentioned Bailey Zappi because I didn't want people looking at my quarterback rankings and going, well, why do you have Brock Purdy and Skylar Thompson over Bailey Zappi? I don't. I just haven't gotten to Bailey Zappi. It's, it's that simple. Um, I will say from what I've seen of Zappi, which is admittedly very little, I have a feeling he will grade higher than Brock Purdy and Skylar Thompson. That will not be top 50. That won't be top 100. May not even be top 150. But he'll definitely be ahead of those two. Uh, But in terms of guys on my overall list, uh, trying to go by position, Calvin Austin Jr. out of Memphis, I think is a good place to start. Our guy, uh, Nick Price, big fan of him. Uh, so is Tyler Fornis. Those guys have been, been bigging him up for a bit. Um, honestly, I think Tay Martin from um, the Shrine game. I was talking to our buddy Jeremiah Bogan about him the other day. And Jeremiah has been uh, working with the Shrine game. Says he's uh, that Tay Martin's one of his best, uh, yeah, his favorite prospects that's at that game. So that's high praise. Um Watched him a little bit. Haven't done his final. Uh, obviously, he was one of the main cogs of that Oklahoma State offense. Uh, so I think that he's going to be 
probably again kind of that early day three maybe in that same type of wide receiver range if you look at my board as like Khalil Shakir, Tyquan Thornton, Jalen Tolbert, those types of guys. Um, going down the list, I think Tyler Smith, the offensive lineman out of Tulsa, uh, he's gotten a lot of hype right now. So I'm very curious to see where he fits in comparison to the rest of the class when guys like Brugler and Joe Marino and uh, I want to say Daniel Jeremiah have also been giving him a lot of hype. I think Ed Ingram in your neck of the woods at LSU is another one. I think that the biggest weakness, if you look at my board outside of quarterback, uh, in terms of overall depth, is probably the interior offensive line, because I think that uh, really after Brock Hoffman, from what I've watched right now, there's quite a dip. And then safety, I just haven't watched a whole lot of players. So I would assume that when I get to certain safeties, uh, JT Woods, Smoke Monday, Kirby Joseph, Verone McKinley, those guys are all going to make an impact. Some of them are going to find the, their way into the top 100. Um, and then Quay Walker, uh, the Georgia linebacker. Uh, Georgia's going to have three, three inside linebackers in my top 150. I would be shocked if they didn't. Yeah. Makes oh, sense. also, Logan Hall. Dude's getting top 50 buzz. Not <laughs> Haven't gotten to him yet. Yeah, I was about to ask about the edge class next. Uh, you got a, a lot of a lot of names there. Um, what's the the lowest grade you have on the edge player right now? So, if you look at my board, there are seventeen um, edge rushers that I have watched so far, and I I will tell you, Devin, the lowest edge rusher on my board is. 103rd. <laughs> so you're saying it's going to be a historic edge class, basically? Yes, absolutely. And again, this is without factoring in guys like uh, Josh Pascal, Tyreek Smith, Trayvon Walker, Logan Hall. Now, granted, I mean, I haven't finalized uh, Jeffrey Gunter from Coastal Carolina. Could he come in lower than, than that? Could he come in fourth, fifth round? Possibly. I thought while I was watching him preliminary or preliminarily that he was going to be someone in that kind of like late day two range, but like I still have to do Isaiah Thomas's final eval. And he's a guy that's kind of, I think is going to raise through the process. And then of course there's, there's guys I haven't gotten to yet. Uh, This, this edge class is stupid deep every, every, it seems like every day, Devin, I have to go and look at the edge class. Because I feel like there's like five more guys that I haven't added yet. Yep. Yep. There's so many dudes, man. I mean, not going to give away some of the rankings, but I mean, you got Cameron Thomas at 12 and he's, he's probably going to be a third rounder. So that just shows. Oh, the, he the is. Yeah. He's classes. in the third round for me. He, he's the thing is he's like high third round too. And that's 12th at the position. Yeah. It's going to be insane. <laughs> see if there's any other things i would ask about i feel like linebacker is pretty pretty self-explanatory oh i know i'm gonna get some 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 guff when it comes to these linebacker rankings so can i wax poetic on some of these linebackers go for it all right one mike rose moves like a fridge so that's probably why he's linebacker 10 for me 
haven't done his eval, but man, when I was doing uh, Ioma Yuazarike's uh, film, I just kept noticing that, like, yeah, Mike Rose is always in on a tackle, but he he's so stiff. I don't think he has any coverage upside. And there are linebackers I haven't gotten to yet. This is this is a like mid to late day three guy for me. Uh, I love your guy Chad Muma out of Wyoming. Uh, can I hop on the Chad Muma bandwagon? And then of course, Go for like, listen, Christian Harris, Brandon Smith, the the former converted safeties, both of them. They're they're very athletic. I understand that they're very athletic, but they have like no idea what they're doing yet at the position. And oddly enough, I honestly think that Harris's coverage ability for a former safety is pretty low. I was a little surprised at how disappointed I've been so far with Christian Harris's coverage ability. I think that Terrell Bernard, who is, albeit smaller than both of them, both of them are like 6'2", I think in, in Smith's case, he's like 6'4 and 245. Smith is better covered in coverage than Harris. And I think Terrell Bernard is a lot better in coverage than Harris. And of course, Terrell Bernard, just insane range. And I think he, the thing is three of my favorite linebackers in this class, Devin, Terrell Bernard, Chen Tyndall, Brian Asamoah, insane range. I love me some rangy linebackers. And I, I, I see the upside. I see the, I see what there is to like about guys like Brandon Smith, Christian Harris, I just don't get it overall. I don't get, I get the potential. I, I think that there's going to be some seasoning and there's a lot of Jameen Davis to both of them, where if you watch Jameen Davis at, at Kentucky, it was like a dog chasing cars, man. He was like the dog from up when you watched the all 22, because his head's like all over the place and he's running back and forth. He's doing like suicides on the field, back and forth between the hashes. Well, so, just, it's a thing. It's a thing with an athletic linebacker is that in college you just line them up and tell them go make yeah. plays. You know, you you don't really have structure with players like that. And and that's the thing. I I like that Terrell Bernard is still a really solid athlete, but works really well in structure and has that like already baseline understanding. Well, that's that's going to be the things with these linebackers is you you got to be in a landing spot where a team is going to be patient with what you have and understand your limitations. And I think Washington didn't understand that with Jameen Davis. Um, to a certain degree, the Cardinals aren't understanding it with Isaiah Simmons nor Zayvon Collins. The fact that they did both of that, they did, they did that with both of them. Yeah, so Sickening. you, you, you got to have defensive coordinators are going to be willing to work with these linebackers and get them disciplined and get them working in your scheme. You know, if, if they're not working, you might just have to bring them off the edge, man, to be honest. So we'll see what happens with both of those guys. Uh, but I think I don't fault people ranking them highly because when you're basing them off of the plays they make, they make a lot of plays, mm-hmm. a lot of su- supremely athletic plays. But if you're missing tackles or, you know, or lacking in, in coverage, I think that's going to start the way on some of these teams' evaluation process. You can't take the two down guys anymore. You've got to be able to cover on cover on third downs as well to stay on the field. And uh, there's a portion of dudes that can in this draft and, and a portion that can't. So we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what else? What What else? What else pops for you? Um, I guess seeing Darian Kendrick at eight, I've actually done his evaluation, but I guess what went into him being there. I think the th- the thing with Darian Kendrick for me, and uh, it, again, much like Lewis seen when I get to the final evaluation form, it might change. I think right now, and again, a lot of it is based off of how I went into the season with them. So like Michael Wright from Oregon, who I haven't really watched a whole lot of, but I watched a lot during the summer. I really liked Michael Wright, but I liked him more than I liked Darian Kendrick. And then like, as I got more eyes and focused more on guys like Roger McCreary and Kyrie Elam and Ahmad Garner, Andrew Booth, Derek Stingley, and I was watching those guys week in, week out. Those guys proved to me that they were already like kind of solidified there ahead of Kendrick. But I wasn't sold on can I move Kendrick ahead of right? I think ultimately he will be. But I think we're in a position where right now, like Kendrick's ceiling in terms of like the corner class is like CB7. That makes sense. I mean, it's, it's just a stupid deep I think class. My, my thing with Kendrick is, one, he's, he's got some off field. He does. Mm-hmm. But to, which doesn't truly factor in, but it's always something you have to take note of as well. But, like, he looks a little stiff, and he can get grabby. And stiffness and, and getting grabby. I, I, I dinged Martin Emerson from Mississippi State, whose final eval is in and up on bluechipscouting.com. Stiff-hipped, little grabby, can't really open and turn. And if I have those same concerns with Darian Kendrick, I'm not going to put him ahead of someone like Roger McCreary, who I don't have those concerns with. Makes Where it, if the talent is equal, but I have those issues athletically, and I think that Roger McCreary is ahead of him athletically and from a play standpoint. Uh, a couple more here. Jordan Davis at 15 was probably the one that uh, stuck out to me most on the big board. Why so high? For what he, for what he does, he's elite. Does he have flaws? Absolutely. Do I think that he can he can stay on the field for 70 plays a game like Avita Vea? Not at this size. I'm hoping that whatever team drafts him decides to tell Jordan, you're gonna eat right, you're gonna drop 15 pounds, you're gonna get down to like 330, and we're gonna get or 330. If we can get you down to 325 and we can teach you how to rush the passer. He's already good at clogging up. And if he can eat up space even at an elite level, and, and because think about it, man, he's 6'4", 3, 350 right now. Even at the NFL, that's a minimum of two blockers. There are not very many interior offensive linemen that are taking a 350-pound man head on more than like once every four or five plays. That, that just doesn't happen. But that frees up extra players. Is it necessarily first-round value? No. Could that change? Yeah. It all depends on how we it fits into our blue chip, into our blue chip grading, which pass rush upside is going to be huge for him. And depending on how he grades in terms of pass pass rush plan and and his moves, 
I mean, I, I, it, it killed DeMarvin Leal's grade. It might do the same for, for Jordan Davis. But this is an elite I, – I want this guy on a team where I'm in the same division as a team that, like, is heavy run, which to me says I want him in the, in the NFC, uh, NFC East. I got sl- to slow down the Cowboys. I got to slow down uh, the Giants and Saquon Barkley. Granted, I mean, the Giants don't really need any help in being slowed down. They'll do it themselves. But, like, if, I've, if I'm facing a division rival twice a year where I know they're coming at me with that running game, or put him in the AFC North where he's going to be up against Cincy's interior. Can you imagine him just feasting on, on, on Cincy's interior? Or Pittsburgh's? Or Baltimore's? <laughs> Seems like that type of dude. He's almost the type of player where literally, depending on what division he plays in, determines his future. Not just like what scheme or what team. It's just, is he in the right division? Yeah, that makes sense. Final question uh, about it. No Trey McBride in the top 50. What is wrong with you? No, I'm just playing. (laughs) But uh, no Trey McBride. Do you want to know where Trey McBride is? Yeah. Uh, where is he? Is 60th. He just missed out, man. That's tight end two, though. He's tight end one, but we got our own opinions. It's all good. It's all good. But yeah, Uh, no, I'm a big fan of of what Trey McBride brings to the tight end position. I think he's a great blocker. I think he's a great route runner. I think he's got tremendous hands. I just kind of. I worry that his part of his game centers around the fact that Colorado State was so bad that he was their only source of offense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah it makes sense. That anything else? No, I think that's that's all I could cover. All right. Well, as the cat starts attacking the microphone, that's going to do it for today, guys. As always, you can find me on Twitter at MikeH underscore draft. You can find Devin on Twitter at RealD underscore Jackson. You can follow the show on Twitter at Big Shots Pod. Follow our work at Blue Chip Scouting. Follow Blue Chip Scouting at Blue Chip Scout. And we will see you all later this week. This break. I want to thank our friends over at Jersey House for sponsoring today's show. No one likes paying full price for jerseys. And thanks to Jersey House, you don't have to anymore. Jersey House has all your needs covered, whether you want an NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, or college jersey, or if you want a jersey for the European football, they've got it all. They also do custom jerseys and are always looking to add more players to their vast catalog. Head on over to jerseyhouse.ca and use the code BIGSHOTS to save 15% off your next order and help give back to the podcast. They ship anywhere in the world, and Devin and myself swear by their products. That's jerseyhouse.ca and the promo code BIGSHOTS for 15%.